Today, we've got someone who's known to be one of the premier pitchmen of this generation, having generated over $100 million on webinars, one time almost $10 million in eight days on just one alone. He's been also selling on Amazon since before FBA even existed, and he's here to share his unique knowledge and insights with us. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And with us today, we have got Jason. Jason, how's it going? Bradley, I'm I'm pumped up. Let's go, baby. All right. Now, a couple of things. This is like I, I probably know very little about your Amazon experience. Like, you know, Gulsan had set this up for the podcast and I was like, what, Jason actually, you know, sells on Amazon? You know, we got the AMPM podcast now, you know, I know him more for for how how amazing of uh, somebody who teaches strategy on webinars and, and things like that. But I was like, I didn't even know he he dealt with Amazon. Now, one, one thing right off the bat, you know, we were just talking, uh, setting up our audio a few minutes ago. This is kind of weird for me because I went through your entire webinar course. I forgot what it was called, but but you know, since since I became the the main person doing the webinars for Helium 10, Manny and Guy were like, "All right, Bradley, we want you to take this training here on on how to present yourself on, on webinars." And it was you and it, it was a long course. So what I actually did was I had you on like maybe 1.5 or 1.75 speed. So you don't sound like you <laughs> because, because I'm, I'm used to like hearing you sound kind of like a chipmunk, uh, for, yeah, for my hours and hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm like, wait a minute, that's not, are, are you sure? Are we sure this is Jason? You know, we don't have video here. I'm not sure. How, so I'm assuming this is you because you don't sound like the Jason that I know from your, uh, chipmunk voice from before. But anyways, we're not here to, we're, we'll talk a little bit about the webinars, but our main thing is to talk about, you know, Amazon here for our, for our listeners. So before we get into your personal experience with Amazon, I want to just take it back, you know, for the audience to get to know you and for me to get to know you since I know nothing about you, but growing up, you know, I know right before the call, you said you're in Southern California. Now, is this where you're from? No, the opposite, right? So I grew up in a little small town in Iowa called Muscatine, Iowa, totally Midwestern to the core, even to this day. And I moved out here about five years ago. So I always think of like a small town, Iowa boy. Cool. Cool. All right. Now growing up as a small town, Iowa boy, what did you envision yourself when you quote, quote unquote, grew up, you know, fireman, doctor, entrepreneur, what? Rapper, man. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So did you ever like, did you like, Take, start taking music classes in school or to learn about the music industry at all? So I, uh, I started rapping when I was like eight years old and I love to perform in front of audiences and crowds. And really music is the whole catalyst of how I got into the business of being an internet marketer because I first started producing my own music, put my own album out and then tried to you know sell it and become successful as a musician. Utterly failed, Bradley. And so I started figuring out what can I do to fix this? And then I stumbled upon, you know, business and marketing. And then pretty soon I was like, man, this marketing stuff is is more interesting to me than the music was. And the music used to be the most interesting thing to me. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do this marketing stuff. 
to finance my music career, but soon it became what's music career. I just want to do marketing. And that's really how I got into the business. Wow. So interesting. So, so, I mean, I'm assuming throughout even high school, you were, you were still, you know, doing your rapping on the side. Did you, did you do like talent shows and things like that? I really kind of just screwed around back then. I wasn't really focused. And then when I became about 21 years old, I was like, let's do this seriously. And I would play any gig that would pay me money and I would try to get out there in any way, shape, or, or form possible. So, if like I, I remember playing kids' sixteen birthday parties, I remember doing Battle of the Bands, I remember uh, doing pro wrestling shows where I would rap in the middle of the ring during intermission. Uh, my favorite ever uh, deal was when I played a hog farm. So I played on the on the back of a flatbed truck. And to this day, probably the greatest show I ever did. It was a girls' high school graduation party. And yeah, that's, that's how I hustled, man. I just tried whatever I could to get out there and find crowds and sell product, which back Tell then me there's huge. a video footage of the hog show. There is not. There's only oh. one picture I have. And I'm in a pink shirt. It says flat on the back of it. And it's me in front of a crowd holding it up. And there's all these Christmas lights. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So then as you're doing this, it sounds like you, you kind of saw that, hey, you know, talent is important, but it also seems like just being able to 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 network and and get or market and get your name out there is, is a big piece of the game. So that's when you started looking into you know how to market yourself or or how did that process go? Yeah, so I had always had a very strong digital background, I guess you could say, because my dad was a a very lowly paid high school teacher uh, with the least amount of a degree possible. So we got paid the least amount of money, but by just happenstance, uh, he was able to take home an Apple II computer, which there's no way, shape or form that we could afford that. And I was three years old and I was on that computer like kids today are on iPads. But back then there was no graphic user interfaces and there was no mice and everything was a command prompt to boot it up. So I've been on a computer first generation since I was three years old and I became fascinated like when the internet hit and became more of a mainstream thing. So I I worked one summer painting houses when I was 13 years old to save up money to buy an old 286 computer. And I got the internet, which is like a 14.4K modem internet. And I was so fascinated by it. I learned how to program back then and write code and build websites when I was 14 in like 1997. So I had this strong digital background and all the music we produced was done digitally as well. Uh, And the internet was really fascinating for me and I like marketing. So it was natural for me to want to apply marketing in the digital world. And really what led to it is my frustration with marketing entertainment is entertainment is very hard to know if people will like it or not, when they will like it, when they won't like it. Like you look at TikTok and you're like, how was that thing ever popular, you know? (laughs) Um, And then television shows and movies, like it it is such a low hit rate of success on the fickle desires of of the public on entertainment. And that's when I really got into, let's sell solutions or very specific things that people want to buy, which is one of the reasons I love Amazon. You know, they type in, whatever, Bluetooth speaker. It's not a shock then that they want to buy a Bluetooth speaker or like online. If somebody says, you know, how to build a website, it's not a shock that they want to learn how to build a website. But when it comes to entertainment, do I want to be entertained by music or some other movie, art, whatever? 
it's almost inexplicable what people will buy and what they won't buy. So I had to learn the hard way marketing what I felt to this day is still the hardest product to market to get into where I'm at, which is selling solutions to problems and selling products where people are searching specifically for those types of products. I love that because, uh, you know, that applies to both kind of like your two passions, you know, be it Amazon, you know, that's what Amazon sellers need to do, or just in general, like, you know, giving, giving solutions to problems is how people should look at things. I feel instead of just trying to say, Hey, I'm trying to make a new shiny object. It's like, well, what good is that shiny object if it doesn't solve anything? So what was your first like complete pivot then from the music industry to like, okay, Hey, you're actually making money in the business world. So I lost every dollar I had to the music industry, uh, and I was so broke. It wasn't even funny. So I went back to work as a day job painting houses because that's what I always knew. Uh, and I would, I was like, okay, I got to get out of this, make some money to get back into the game of music. So I started doing different various internet marketing activities in between the very long 10 to 12 hours a day, six to seven days a week that I was in their painting houses for this crew that I worked for. And the thing that actually made me money at the end of the day was article writing. So I started writing articles for other marketers. This was back in 2007 when article marketing was huge because like Google had this love affair with easy articles. You could put an article on there, get a lot of traffic. Um, And so they would pay me money to write articles for them. And the first week I started doing that, I started making some decent money, like three or four times as much money per hour as I made. Uh, when I was painting houses. So within seven days, I was able to not do the day job anymore, focus on that. And then I just wrote articles for the next six months and made some good money. But that was when I was like, okay, I got to figure out a way to not drive myself nuts just writing article after article after article. So I published a little guide on how I was able to write articles really fast called How to Write an Article in Seven Minutes or Less. And I took that little guide, I sold it for four bucks. It's an info product, just a PDF on the Warrior Forum, which back then you could take out $20 ads in their classified ad section. And I put a little $20 ad out there. I said, listen, I got this thing. I think it can cut your article writing time in half. I'm only asking four bucks for it. If you like it, keep it. If not, I'll give you your money back. Buy it. And this was a forum post. This wasn't like a sales page or anything. (laughs) And people bought it and they went crazy over it. And like two weeks later, I'd made $8,000 selling this little slang in this little $4 ebook. And that's when I was like, oh my God, if I can just find very specific, very granular uh, problems to solve and give very specific, very granular solutions to them, I can do pretty well. And this was like a six page ebook, Bradley. This wasn't anything intense. I'm like, you want to write an article? Step one, open this site. Step two, find your main point here. Step three, follow this template. Step four, do this. Step five, do this. It didn't take a lot of time, right? Yeah. So I'm like, that's all I got to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> wow. Now, 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 just really quick, I mean, we're, we're kind of jumping ahead, but how would you tell somebody that that mentality of how you took that problem, that actually can be applied to physical products, oh, you know, yeah. too, like how, how, to, how, to, how to decide what direction you're going to go to on Amazon. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So the number one thing that has made me successful in this business is understanding a marketing concept called positioning. And it's probably the least understood yet most powerful uh, concept in marketing if you get it. Um, So I'll give you an example. In the early days on Amazon, we would pick products simply based upon what the main image looked like. So everybody was red, we chose blue, right? 
I mean, that sounds stupid, mm-hmm. obvious and simple, but that's one of the ways that we were able to position our product to stand out. We might be selling the exact same whatever as everybody else, but our thumbnail was blue and everybody else was, was red. And I, I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's mm-hmm. the way it was. Another way that we would position Amazon products is like, say we're selling kitchen products. We sold a lot of kitchen products and we would tell customers back then. Nowadays, it's a little stricter, but back then we're saying, hey, after you buy your product, we want to trade recipes with you. We're going to give you grandma's secret apple pie recipe. So we were taking a, a concept of positioning in Amazon where everybody thinks it's some big, faceless, gigantic, multinational corporations that are selling product to them. And we made it like you and I hanging out in the morning before our kids go to Little League together in the evening and we see each other at PTA meetings. So we positioned our products that way. And that helped customers make purchasing decisions in a world where most of the products look the same on Amazon. So that's one of the concepts I learned later on from initially, I I discovered the positioning is if I teach people this one very specific article marketing technique, I didn't tell them where to post the articles. I didn't tell them how to monetize the articles. I didn't tell them how to find the topics to articles even. I just gave them the example of how to write faster. I'm like that micro positioning of going very specific on a situation was powerful. So you need leverage to be successful in any online business. And so Mm -hmm. that's what we always look for, be it Amazon or be it on webinars or be it with whatever space we want to make money online is where's the leverage? What position can we take so we can get the most amount of sales and have the most amount of impact? I like that. I like that. So Going back in time again to you're like, hey, I'm onto something here. Sold eight thousand yes. dollars of this thing that it took me hardly that long to to put together because there's an actual need. What was your next step after that then? Just to repeat the process. So I started hunting and looking for these what I call one problem, one solution, one sitting opportunities, meaning I could find one very specific problem. I only had to offer one solution to it and I could create the product in one sitting. And so this was accidental how great this shaped my marketing career because I would just hunt high and low for one singular specific complaint. And then I, I wouldn't know anything about it that morning, but by that night, I would have a solution. So what really blew the doors open for me is one of the, like the 10th product I created was how to set up a membership site uh, in less than seven minutes, or no, this one was six minutes. See, this is the innovation, not seven, but six, right? How to set up a <laughs> oh, membership we're, we're site. getting faster. Yeah, in, in less than six minutes uh, using completely free software. Uh, and it was actually six minutes and 22 seconds because I timed it. So that was my headline. So I discovered how to do something specific in a very specific time without or with something else. So in this case, how to set up a fully functional password protected membership site in six minutes and 22 seconds using completely free software, which nobody could figure out back then. Uh, I woke up one day, saw an opportunity. By the time I went to bed that night, I had figured it out. I was selling the product the next day and that thing really put me on the map. But what was cool was each time I mastered one little specific technique, I started to be able to kind of take something from this past technique I mastered and stitch it together with this other thing over here that I mastered. And I learned so much about so many different things on the internet that it was just became really powerful. So like when I saw webinars becoming a thing, because webinars kind of existed, but this freaking internet speed was too slow for them. And the companies that were creating the technology were too dumb. Uh, And so it was just not feasible. 
And then it was, and I was able to hop on that first and be one of the first people to do that. And I had all these different skills that I could bring to the table from these products I created. And I just kept chugging along. So like when Facebook first launched its ads, we were running some of the first ads. And when Kindle first opened up its store on how to publish Kindle books, we were publishing some of the first because rather I was incentivized. I would learn it and then Mm -hmm. I would document it and teach it. So I dig the gold and then I would sell somebody the treasure map and the shovel to also dig the gold. I like it. I like it. Now, this obviously was a number of years ago, you know, and you use what you said, you know, the, the warrior form and you could, you know, pay 20 bucks to put, you know, a advertisement. But let's just say fast forward, you know, maybe somebody's not going to become a, a huge uh, tycoon, but maybe there's somebody who wants to get started on Amazon, but they're like, hey, they need to get some capital. Like, are there any kind of microwaves, kind of like how you started that people nowadays can just you know, without, without much investment at all, like you, like, I, I don't think it really, you know, costs a thousand dollars for you to make your, your paper on how to do that in six minutes and 22 seconds or whatever. But right. are, are there ways in 2020 that somebody could do something similar to, to help get that initial capital to do, you know, something else, uh, what their passion might be, be it Amazon or something else? Totally is right. And two things to that. First of all, I believe that it's better to just come up with the capital. Um, There's a lot of reasons why I think Amazon is so effective as an opportunity for people to build an online business. And one of those is because of the barrier to entry. It's not franchise level barrier of entry where you need a lot of money and you need a vetting process, but it's not like anybody with a pulse level of barrier of entry, which is what a lot of internet marketing stuff is. Get started with nothing down, you know, get started for free, blah, 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 right? You're going to pay something. You got to pay time and or money, but usually both time and money. And usually the less money you spend up front, the more time you'll spend up front. To me, I'd rather spend money than spend time. And that was true even when I was uh, less commercially successful than I am today. But I will tell you, here's a here's a thing that I look for the one solution that can solve many problems. And so what I would do is I would start pitching myself to Amazon brands and being like, listen, I'm I'm eager. I'm hungry. I don't know much, but what I don't know, I'll make up for just by being extra, extra gung ho to help your brand so I can cut my teeth in this business. And I want to make some money by making you more money. And then once I do that, then we'll both be happy. And then that's when that person could potentially grab revenue. So there's a million opportunities on Amazon to enhance somebody's existing brand that allow you to get experience in the Amazon space and the Amazon opportunity. And then you can reinvest that when you make the money into your own brands, potentially, right? There's so many ways to make money on Amazon. It's just insane, which is why I like to play in Amazon because you don't have to necessarily be better. You just have to be, and there's so much more opportunity that can come your way. But I would always play in the arena that I want to cut my teeth in no matter what. So that way, not only can I make money potentially, but I I make experience, which will make me money. And so that's yeah. where I would start looking immediately is let me play within the system that I want to eventually build my own business and brand out of. Interesting. All right. Now, I definitely want to come back to the the webinar thing because I've heard some crazy facts and figures that, that I, I want to confirm with you, you know, nine figures generated on webinars and things like that. I definitely want to come to. But that's let's, 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 counting. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to Amazon really quick. When yes. did you discover the Amazon opportunity? So here's the funniest thing. I was selling on Amazon before FBA 
stood for fulfillment by Amazon. And that was because I was putting my music on Amazon. So this was back in, gee, ah. I don't know, 2004, 2005, some ancient dinosaur time on the internet. Uh, so I'd always had this good understanding of Amazon. And even when Kindle first came out, I had understood it. But in 2012, the end of 2012, uh, by pure accident, almost, uh, we had this business where we would sell info products and software, mostly software to customers. And we did a lot of affiliate marketing too, because we had a big audience. And all of a sudden, just it was December. We're about to go on vacation. So I did something I never did before, which is really just put an offer in front of my audience without vetting it. Uh, I didn't even show up to the webinar, honestly. And it was a ClickBank product. And I was like, we don't really like promoting ClickBank stuff because it's like a bad neighborhood, you know? So it's like, we don't want to play in that space back then, right? Uh, and this thing just sold unbelievably well and nothing made sense because it was about how to sell physical products on Amazon. And okay. we're like, what? So my business partner, Wilson Matos, and I were like, uh-huh, how did this happen? I mean, it didn't, none of, none of it made sense, but we didn't care. Yeah. We just knew this is where the demand was. So when 2013 rolled around and the same product was now going to become a launch and they were going to do it off of ClickBank and do it in a big way, we had like what I like to call insider information. We knew the market was hot and ravenous and excited about it. And so Will and I took this position where when we first pitched the opportunity as an affiliate, we said, we're going to do this alongside you. We've never done this before. In fact, we're pausing an already seven-figure, multi-seven-figure business. We're pausing parts of that that we know could just continue to make money to invest in this new thing. And we're going to document it every step along the way. Uh, and so we sold the heck out of that course more than anybody else. And now all of a sudden we're obligated to follow through. We got to figure this Amazon stuff out ourselves. We can't just be an yeah. affiliate. And that's when we yeah. got in the Amazon in 2013. In March, we started selling product on Amazon. I have found that I have to, you know, stay current, you know, like, I, I just wrote a, a, a blog last week about some something new on Amazon that, that that just popped up before bundling. You know, I would never would have known about that if I wasn't just in the game every day. So despite my day job being Helium 10, I, I'm running, uh, you know, side businesses too for the company or for other people, just not, you know, not to make profit. I'm not making money on it, but I just need to like, you know, see what's going on. So like that, that that's really cool that you did that. There's There's some people out there in the educational space in Amazon or in any educational space they're teaching stuff based on either what they read in a book or what they did five years ago. Yep. But unless you're in the game right now, you know, you can't really, you shouldn't really be, be teaching anybody now because of all that experience you've had, you know, with your own Amazon business, doing these one-on-one -on -one calls and, and just seeing what's out there. What are some of the commonalities you have seen as far as, first of all, what the biggest opportunity for Amazon sellers are like something that most of the people you've talked to or you're seeing, they're like not doing it and they totally should be doing it. Yeah, I think we overestimate these days how much sales come from search uh, results. Uh, Amazon, and I can't even quantify this. I still can't figure this out. I have no idea half the time where our sales are coming from on Amazon um, and our customers too. We try to figure this out and we can't. We just throw up our hands and be like, we're getting sales somehow, some way, but we don't know exactly what or how. So what we've discovered mm -hmm. is how do we influence that which we can't kind of account for? And we have, I call this the shock and awe approach. And if you heard it from somebody else, I guarantee you they co-opted that for me originally because we used to say shock and awe Amazon. So if you're in all the different places you can possibly be in feeding Amazon as much data as you can possibly feed Amazon, uh, then it seems like 
if all else is equal, Amazon's like, I can send my traffic to your listing or somebody else's listing. They tend to send them to your listing. And so what we tend to do is we try to give Amazon as many off-ramps. So if you think of Amazon as a highway, we want as many off-ramps from that highway to lead to our listings as humanly possible. And so we will do anything and everything that we can to influence that. So I want to know every possible program that my Amazon product can be listed under. I want to make sure that I have some sort of influence possibly over Amazon's choice, even if it's a super obscure Amazon's choice badge that I get. I want to be in the right different categories and make sure that the way that the categories are categorized makes sense and maybe possibly get a bestseller badge too, because that's a huge vote of confidence and honor. Uh, If I can influence mover and shaker status, uh, then I want to try to do that. I definitely want to be in the top 100 of whatever subcategory I am and try to be strategic about that if possible. Now, every category has its own little unique things, right? And so I always recommend clients and they, they don't seem to do this, which kind of, which blows my mind, but Amazon has these things that they publish for free that you can find that nobody seems to read. And I read all of them. They're called style guides, right? And Mm -hmm. so the different style guides that Amazon has are very different these days than what they used to be. And they will say, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. And they will give me more insight into specific category. I always read my specific category that I'm in, the style guide before I mean any new product, but I also read every other style guide. I have learned more about being in this industry or this category from reading other uh, style guides because Amazon gives you the peek under the hood of this is what we are interested in and this is what we're not interested in. And so they will tell you certain things like you know, item type keywords and refinement type searches. And I, I can't justify, Bradley, that any of those make any money on their own. If I can just get the most refinement possibilities correctly yeah. configured uh, as possible for Amazon. But it seems like the more I comply with all things Amazon, the more likely I'm able to make unaccountable sales. So I do it. I like that. You know, it doesn't it doesn't take, you know, 17 hours to read a style guide. It's pretty easy. And then you can get some insights into making Amazon happy, you know, making the algorithm happy or doing what they want. That that could help you. I, I like and, it. I haven't Bradley, heard somebody say that. And Bradley, most people have never read a single style guide from cover to cover yeah. on Amazon in the dang category that they're in, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So important. That's, that's awesome. I love that. Now, now, one thing that I've always tried to, to teach, you know, when I do videos and stuff, because... On the flip side, you know, like like what you're talking about is kind of like making Amazon happy, and I tell everybody that is important. You've got to, you know, you've got to be compliant with with what the category wants about your length of title and, and do's and don'ts, and you've got to, you know, send re- what I call relevancy signals, you know, to Amazon so so that they'll even index you, and so that you know if you get action on a keyword, you know, you get some some love, and and yes, you, you've got to be happy for, for uh, make Amazon happy from Amazon sellers. What I tell sellers too is like. Sometimes we get so much in this mindset of only just worrying about the the algorithm and making Amazon happy that we forget about who we're trying to sell to. Right. And it's a, a customer. And so like uh, what I teach is like, hey, guys, you've got to be able to make an emotional connection within your listing to these buyers who don't know your brand from anybody else. They have no loyalty to you at all. So you like you have a very small window to get their attention and then make them just stop in their in their browsing tracks and say, wait a minute. This is interesting. So, so you know, one thing that I, I teach is like, hey, it's a really important to like, for example, use Helium Ten Review Insights to 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 look at what are the common things that people are talking about in the competitors' listings and and call those things out. But 
you, you know, being, being so good at understanding a, a customer avatar mindset, what are some things that you could recommend as far as how somebody can make that emotional connection with their potential buyers in an Amazon listing? Yeah. And it's really interesting too, Bradley, because we're in, in most situations, we have far more control over the sale than we do on Amazon. So Amazon wants every, wants to homogenize the environment of selling. They want everybody to have the same amount of images, same amount of benefits, blah, 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 right? So we don't have a whole lot of leverage from a copywriting standpoint, unfortunately, because that's usually how we beat big brands is just by being more heart to heart with our customers. But there is value in the reviews. The reviews more than anything are going to influence somebody who's clicked on your listing, who is targeted to your product, but isn't sure if they should purchase it or not. And so not only should you practice really powerful review hygiene, making sure that you are being represented on your listing as you should be with your reviews, which some people, most people don't pay any attention to that, by the way, which is crazy to me, but whatever. Uh, but the second thing is, is I always read at least 200 reviews for a product before I ever sell my product uh, that I want to sell. So if I have an idea for a product that I'm like, I know I'm going to sell this product on Amazon, I will read 200 reviews of that product. And how long does that take? Well, how fast do you read? I mean, just do the calculation. Mm -hmm. If it takes you six hours, it takes you six hours. Block out a day and there you're done. And what I actually will do is I'll print them off and I'll highlight passages and phrases. And then I'll take those things that I think are powerful and I will then put them into a document. And now I have this. Now, if you threw that document away, I guarantee you, you're still going to be better than anybody else because you've absorbed something from the market that nobody else is aware of. And you know mm -hmm. the market's language. You know what they want. You know what they don't want. You know what they struggle with. You know what they don't struggle with. So not only will this help you pick a right product if you want to position your product to be unique, but it will also tap into what information you should put where because when people are browsing, there are certain things that you can grab them with um, that are important to them based on the reviews. Uh, and the more reviews you read, the more patterns you'll notice. And over time, the better you'll understand that when a customer says this, it means that. It doesn't mean the same thing they say oftentimes, right? So there's a little translation after a while. But when we go in and we understand these types of reviews, everything from the product name of what we call the product to the keywords we go after, all of that is influenced because I have this understanding of really, truly the psychology of that purchaser. And I don't know, you know, here's the thing I always think of, Bradley, uh, unlike a physical store, you can't pick these products up. You can't examine them from multiple angles. You can't pull yeah. over a sales clerk and say, hey, listen, I got a couple of questions. Does it come in this size or does it come in that size? Right. That's the limitation. It's a significant limitation of the online world. And so how do we make up for that and understanding and empowering the customer to have all that information to make it as if they're asking and having a conversation with the sales clerk and make it as if they can touch it, feel it, smell it, drop it on their foot, right? That is often the difference between if we are successful or if we're not successful. I like it. I like it. That's, that's something very important. You know, some people, you know, it's still retail, but there's, there's a lot of things you can and can't do you know, in brick and mortar, as opposed to online. And you have to kind of like, you know, keep these things in mind. You know, another thing that what you talked about the reviews is, is something that you can't just do walking into a store. You know, you're doing some competitor research. You can't just look at some products and then all of a sudden know all of the things that those customers products talked about, you know, like you can do that online, like you just said on Amazon. So you've got to take the time to do that. I like that.
what we do with our customers then is we teach them what a good review looks like. And I, this is a missing ingredient, I think, that we give that a lot of people don't, is we tell our customers, we say, listen, it's important that you write an honest review of this product, regardless of how you feel about it, because this will help us either make the product better, or if the product is exactly right, it will help somebody else make their decision. So here's what a good review looks like. Because here's the problem. Most buyers, they are scared to leave reviews because mm. they go back to the days of grade school where their elementary teachers would force them to write. And most people have a <laughs> poor associating with association with writing words on paper or on cyberspace, right? So they're mm. very nervous about that. Uh, they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing, or they're afraid that they're not, they're going to agonize over every single word. And so most people don't leave a review unless they're absolutely pissed off, which is no good. Or if they're super duper incentivized, which is usually against terms of service on Amazon, even if you think you're being cute and clever and, and, and trying to incentivize them in other ways, you're probably going to get caught. But even if you don't, it doesn't matter. The reviews all come across not as 100 great reviews, but one review repeated 100 times. They come across as insincere and inauthentic. And so we actually teach customers what a good review looks like. One of the things we always tell customers, which increases our review rate, is just, just capture your initial thoughts. A lot of people aren't aware of this, but you can go back later and edit your Amazon reviews to continue the story of how you interact with the product as you go along. And they're like, wow. So more people, most people won't give you a review at first, Bradley, because they want to spend more time with the product, which is good for yeah. them, but it's not good for you. Now, I yeah. will tell you, the best reviews I've discovered, because I've read several thousand reviews on Amazon, the ones that are most favored by customers are the ones that have one or two or three updates. Where they're like, ah, you know, this yeah. is my favorite review ever. I got home. I used this once. It was so great. It was fantastic. I love it. And then update seven days later. Everything I said was true, but it's even better than I thought it was because now <laughs> it's done this, this, and this for me, right? And then yep, 30 yep. days later, oh, I forgot to add. It's also, you know, trained my dog how to speak, speak Portuguese, you know? They're like, yeah. oh my God, this is the greatest review ever. That's what we want. So we actually want them to leave their initial thoughts and then come back and edit them. And so we just, we coached them on what a good review looks like. And as a result, we get more good reviews. Like the worst reviews ever are the one sentence reviews. Works as intended. It was great. Loved it. Fantastic. Yep. Right. Yep. I would rather yep. you not leave a review because it looks like it's paid for. It looks inauthentic. The best reviews are the ones that are like 700 words long. And so mm -hmm, we tell mm -hmm. customers, we're like, we love it if you pour your heart out. You cannot write a review that's long enough. I don't care if it's a short one or a long one. Just write it from the heart and write whatever you feel is coming to you. In fact, it can be very, very liberating to know that you can just write as long as you want to write. And that's awesome because people don't think that anybody would read a 700 word review. So they censor their own reviews. And the reality is customers love long reviews and they definitely increase conversion. So there you go. I love it. I love it. That, that, that's, that's great stuff there. I mean, kind of teaching them about what you can do on Amazon. Like, you know, a lot of people don't even realize you, you're not locked into that review. You, you can yep. go back and change it. So just even just telling that if somebody's using like Helium 10 follow-up to automate the, the review requests, well, you can just put that instructions in there. Love it. Correct. Now, switching back off of Amazon really quick, I want to do some shock and awe really quick about people who don't understand the power of webinars. But yeah. you don't have to give the, the actual product or, or the company or anything, but like just think back to one of your most successful webinars that you, you yourself did or you helped somebody do and generally what kind of thing it was or service. And then like, like, you know, some, some crazy figure, like in two hours, you guys had 
X number of signups or X number of revenue generated. Let's do some shock and awe real quick. Yeah, so I did $9.8 million off a webinar in eight days. Um, And that was, by the way, the fifth time that I had rolled that webinar out in a three and a half year period. And it just goes to show you is like, you got to keep asking your people to buy and you got to keep going back and trying to improve it and asking them over and over again. And the more you're willing to continue to make these incremental improvements, the better off you will be. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I love webinars, Bradley, because most people can't do them right. And they're very mm-hmm. hard to do initially until you master them. And so there's that barrier of entry again. So it's not clogged up and crowded. And, you know, I always live the, by the saying that life is easy when you live it the hard way and it's hard when you live it the easy way. So I try to make it hard enough up first. So it's worth acquiring the skill. So then I can just coast down the hill on easy street. So that's the power of webinars. But again, at the end of the day, it's the same as Amazon. We have to position ourselves in a way that helps the customer know that buying with us is a safe bet. And uh, on a webinar, it's a lot of information and then a ridiculous amount of awesome products and bonuses and perhaps even a better than money back guarantee, which is always in the case when we do these record setting type of webinars. But on Amazon, the specifics might differ. But if you approach it from the perspective of how can I make it easier for my customer to buy than to not buy? that's going to be your North Star that's going to help you more than really any tactic, which may be short-lived on Amazon, could ever help you. Yeah, I mean, something I definitely learned you know, for, from watching your, your course is like, you know, some people are scared about the, the pitch. Like, oh, no, we don't want to come across as pitchy or like, what? I have to, you know, make 30 minutes of my webinar, you know, a, a pitch or, or same thing on Amazon. Like, oh, pricing, I, I got to be the cheapest price. But yeah. if you, first of all, have a valuable product, either for Amazon or a valuable product you're giving on a webinar or a service, and it's not BS. I mean, this is like something that legitimately can help people. Hey, don't feel bad about the pitch. You're bringing value to them even more than what you're asking from them to give to you. And it's the same on Amazon. If you have a a real quality product that's better and you feel confident about it, you don't have to be $9.99 like everybody else because everybody's $10.99. You could be $20.99, you know? And and I think that's a a, a very valuable lesson. Yeah, higher price will stand out more than a lower price will. So there Mm -hmm. you go. There's positioning for you right there. I'd rather be higher and stand out. We come to the part of the show we call that TST 30 second tip. So you've been giving us lots of, you know, strategies for both things, you know, throughout this episode, but what is something maybe that you can say in 30 seconds or less that is really valuable, really actionable. It could be about webinars, could be about Amazon, whatever you want. It could be about wrapping. I don't know. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. The more product you have on Amazon, the more profits you're likely to make. Uh, Most of your products will not do very well, but you need a lot of products to find the one or two or three that are breaking out. So instead of picking the perfect product, put a lot of product out there and then back the ones that just somehow break out. Love it. Love it. All right. Now we've already gone like more time than I think of any recent episode I had just because there's so much cool things you have to say. But if somebody wants to find out more, you know, about, you know, your coaching on Amazon or or how you uh, that course that I took, you know, about the webinars, because I think we piqued some people's interest about that nine point eight million in eight days. That's kind of it might be interesting to a couple people, but how can they find you on the interwebs? Yeah, the best thing to do is go to Amazon. Haha, <laughs> get it, right? Uh go to Amazon <laughs> and just type my name in. There's a book there called One to Many by Jason Flavlin that documents uh, my webinar process. But I believe if you read it, 
you really understand the psychology of marketing and positioning and persuasion, which is helpful in any business that you ever want to be in. And the good news of all is, unlike my other courses, this book is the hardest thing I ever created. And it's also the cheapest thing I sell. <laughs> so figure that one it. out, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Now, now, Jason, you know, something... We- you and I, I'm pretty protective about, about how I run the, the Helium 10 webinars now, but like with a absolute uh, savant on it, you know, you and I need to collaborate on one of these future ones. L- let's see how you can like maybe up my own game. I, I've tried to emulate you as, as well as I can. And, and I'm pretty proud about what we do with the, the webinars. We you know we have, you know, sometimes a few thousand people in the room and stuff, wow. but may- maybe we can collaborate on one of these future that. webinars. I would absolutely awesome. love that. Awesome. All right, Jason. Well, we'll we'll touch base with you maybe in a year or so. See see what new and amazing things, or if you've uh, come out with your next uh, album uh, or your your comeback album. So we'll talk to you maybe in twenty twenty one. Excellent. Look forward to it, Bradley.